1: Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Kirk, Gear Enthusiasm. I am sorry for my sort of irregular posting. I swear once the season gets back up, I will be back to the nearly daily grind. But uh, with everything going on in the world and my move and my kid in school, and frankly, I keep forgetting that I need to do basketball work because I've taken a few days off, um, we're back at it. Today, I'm joined by a friend I met at Summer League a couple of years ago. You have uh, probably heard him. Uh, you have seen his work at The Athletic, and I want him to tell us uh, where all he does a little bit of everything. Uh Dave DeFor. Dave, how are you?
2: Hey, I'm good. Um really good actually. Yeah. How about yeah, you? We're, I mean I'm we worried. are we gonna do the thing where we pretend like we didn't just talk for 10 minutes? Yeah, that's okay. You know we Is we, that we, still we, a we, thing in podcasting? I feel like that's dead at this point. Everybody yeah. just records from the
1: jump. Well it depends because with certain people I don't actually talk to them outside of text. And then when wow. I get it like an audio thing, it's like, oh, I really do want to talk to you for a little while. Cause but you know, you and I ran into each other a couple of weeks ago at Summer League where you were mm-hmm. uh, you know, in a different set of protocols than I was. So I didn't actually get to see you that much. Um, but now we've we've all kind of had a little bit of a of a break here, and somehow the preseason starts in less than 30 days, which kind of when I saw that number, that gave me a little bit of of just an, an anxious feeling. Um, not because I, I'm unhappy that the season's coming. It's just when the season comes, w- what comes with it is regular work. There's no longer a, oh, I can take a couple of days off. I can do this. It's it's kind of the constant March. But as we had just talked about in the pre-show, it's really nice in that this will be the first time since March of 2019. 2019? 2020. 2020. Ugh, t- since first time of March of 2020 where we will have – the regular three games a week type schedule not four and a half for every team so there's just it, it's a little bit more time for things to breathe and and it's it's nice so are you kind of looking forward to the season or are you are you kind of where I am right now which is like I don't know if I wanted to start
2: yeah um I I, I really wish it started at Christmas That would be nice, right? (laughs) Because then I'd basically have like a teacher's schedule. Um, Although I I will say I hate – I enjoy podcasting a lot. Mm -hmm. And I am lucky to podcast with a lot of people that I really enjoy talking to. But I really wish we had some stuff to talk about that was like on the court. So I will say that while I'm enjoying the break and the downtime, and it's actually been super important, I think I'm ready for the season to start because the podcasts have to come out no matter what. Yes. Right. So give me yes. some good stuff to talk about.
1: Well, I mean, that's I. so, so, you know, first share with the listeners where they can hear you because you are only at
2: the sp- athletic, only, only at, at the, the athletic.
1: athletic, but that's which it. shows on the athletic. Cause you do murder oh. on Friday, which that's my regular, I hear you every Friday. Like that's my normal listening, but sometimes I hear you on other stuff on the
2: athletic shows as
1: well. But which ones, which ones are you on there on the daily
2: so I do ding. the daily ding a few days a week, uh, which is now gonna, you know, like we're we're kind of playing around with a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Do basketball buds that comes out Monday uh, on Mondays. I do the Dallas Mavericks show with with Tim Cato. Yes, right. Yes, our, our, uh, my, I,
1: my former editor.
2: Yeah, he was your editor.
1: Yeah, he was our boss. He was like nineteen years that. old and in charge of all these people. Like it's funny. I, Who does I he if think you go he is, to his kid president. I, Well, if you go to his LinkedIn page, I left him this really sterling review on, because he was a very good manager at 19. I'm serious, which is very funny if you know him now, because now he's just like the long haired writer who is just kind of you know, it's, it's like haired writer, you know, where he's, he's just like, he's like a dude who, you know, wants to be on the road. He wants to be chasing the story, but at the time he was a real grinder and he was a really good boss. I was just, it's just something that, that stands out because you know, the the bad bosses in your life stand out as much as the good bosses. And for him managing a bunch of older people, I thought he did a, he did a very good job, but okay. So yeah, we, we hear you on the hilariously named 77 minutes in heaven podcast. Um, (laughs) <laughs> Is it hilariously named? I mean, it makes Tim uncomfortable every time he says it. it. So there's some every added bonus. single time. There's added yeah. bonus there. Well, so, so let's just, just sort of think ahead to, to the season, because as you said, we're kind of in the dead zone right now. There's not much to talk about. You did a Q&A podcast, which, which I enjoyed. I actually was listening to it about an hour ago because I just, just got around to it. Um, I was wondering, so with, with the things that are coming up in the season, which aspects of like, like the on-court basketball are, are you most looking forward to? Because like in my mind right now, I'm really thinking about the rule changes and how that might affect how defenses are able to play. Uh, Rob Mahoney and I talked a little bit about it last week. I'm not smart enough to know like the ins and outs of why, but you know, like drop coverage obviously is much less effective uh, and I can't figure, and, and I'm just really curious to see how teams adapt because there's always unintended consequences to rule changes. So is what sort of things are you looking forward to with like the on-court product?
2: I mean... It, just guys not flailing around out there will be nice, right? Like, playing like they've got a little bit of, like, self-pride. You know, <laughs> when you watch the Olympics and you watch – and I, by the way, did not watch the Olympics for this reason because I actually prefer – uh the way that FIBA is officiated and and just the game flow and it can be frustrating when i watch international basketball now and then have to go back to watch an NBA game. So Okay, I opt so it you out, just don't right? you don't you don't, yeah. you don't wet your appetite
1: so you don't come back and dislike the product that you have to consume.
2: <laughs> right. Well, i mean, cuz honestly like the truth is it's a game that i'm more intimately familiar with on on like the ground level. I never okay. coached in the NBA. I coached under FIBA rules for years. And so it's just a different it's a different, uh, you know, more accustomed to that as a, as a person, as a basketball person. Mm-hmm. Now as a guy who watches television for a living, the NBA television show is 48 minutes long, uh, mm-hmm. of, of actual gameplay. And then, you know, all your commercial breaks, it's right. a different beast. It's a different, you could argue it's a different sport. Yeah. Um, but I look forward to seeing the pendulum swing back toward basketball, mm. right? Like it's going to be nice where guys are kind of uh, forced to be a little bit more honest. I, I would love to see hand-checking come back because I do really? think that – Yeah, listen, there's too, much, there's too much freedom of movement. You allow offenses to illegal screen. You allow guys to travel. Like, I mean, we're, we're just – everything is all about putting points on the board. And at a certain point, you've lost the entire sport. It's a different yeah. thing. It's a basketball exhibition. It's the Harlem Globetrotters, and I'm not saying that because I listen man, they're the most skilled basketball players on the planet. I think they'll figure it out and but when there's no doubt in my mind that when you allow a little bit more physicality on defense, and I don't mean the eighties where you can grab guys or you know the way that Steph Curry gets guarded that right. that's like that's total bullshit. but we all know what basketball is supposed to look like. Honestly, the summer League is very similar to like honest basketball. There's not a lot of flopping. The guys are allowed to guard on the perimeter with a little bit of contact. There's a certain point where it's too much. And this is, you know, we went into this on Nerder actually, where I talked about uh, actually allowing people to trust their judgment a little bit. Mm. Well, the the
0: the one thing that referees I've been confused
1: right. the one thing I've been confused about NBA refing for a while is it seems the further you get away from the basket, the more likely they are to call stuff which is kind of counter to the way my brain is always processed basketball where you know you watch a guy get inside now and they just get mugged and okay fine but then you're outside on the perimeter and you see kind of the slightest bit of you know you're you're rubbing shoulders on a screen and if you have an arm in between there that's an insta foul and i just i've never kind of understood how it got to be quite like that and then granted I just think it's rule manipulation over time and I think the NBA compared to like the NFL for example just doesn't do a good enough job with their rules committee to adapting to what players do because every time they do make rule changes it's like a five-day news cycle it's like you just need to switch this stuff up every year you know what the problems are I mean I that's that's very that's very interesting to me I think that I mean, with the way that the Mavericks play, I don't think any, and this is just because this is a Mavericks podcast, but like, I think sure. with the way the Mavericks play, any sort of, of rule changes here, like, I think a lot of people think it's going to affect Luca. Like, Luca hasn't, Luca's calls went down the past two years, primarily as a result of him never shutting the fuck up. But right. also because he's bigger, like size, size gets called differently on the outside. I don't think it's really these sorts of things. I don't expect to change the way they play much at all, because it's if anything, it, it it's just going to result in him finding different ways to break a defense or Luka Doncic. And that's that sort of stuff is is, you know, really what I enjoy watching um, with, with team play. So. All right. So past kind of the rule changes. Um are there any particular, let's just, let's go, like, let's choose one group from each conference. Is is there a team in either conference that you're really looking forward to seeing what they do to start the year? Is there one that jumps
2: out? Uh, the Hawks, I think are, are a big one for me. I think they're going to have a good regular season because mm-hmm. they're, they have so much depth. Obviously they also have a lot of talent. Yeah. I mean, you know, they probably don't beat the Sixers. If you, if you play that series a hundred times, maybe they don't, You know, maybe they win five times, Hmm. Uh, but you have to have a lot of talent to make the conference finals no matter what. And they have a ton of talent. They're deep. Um, But you always worry about that first little run from a team. What are they going to do the next season? You know, how do they follow it up? And so I'm really curious to see if they can get out to a hot start. That's a team that if Brooklyn or Milwaukee decide that they're going to favor rest over seeding, that's a team that I could see sneaking up into, you know, the top two in the, in the regular season, because they have all that depth and, and also depending on what Philadelphia does, but right. um that's a team. And then the warriors, right? Like the warriors, are they going to make a deal in particular, a Ben Simmons trade, right? If they make a Ben Simmons trade, then, you know, I think their chances increase greatly, but if they don't, man, it's all rests on clay Thompson, mm-hmm. you know, and that is a fascinating idea because yeah, it's kind of unprecedented that a guy would come back from in particular to injuries like this. It's not like he hurt his shoulder and hurt his knee Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and to then come back and like, okay, well, we want to compete and we hope you're good enough. Oh, and you're not going to start playing till Christmas. So what are they going to do for the first two months of the season? It's going to be Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and the Muppet Babies and that's what they were just
1: kind of a mess at points last year because their their system is for the you know compared to what dallas did on offense which is a lot of spread pick and roll what the warriors do require it's like it's the closest thing to a basketball triple option like there's a shit ton of timing there's you got to know what you're doing it's crazy cool to watch in relation to the rest of the league but it's just it requires you know, patience over time and a lot of, and a lot of reps, which some of those guys just aren't really built for. I mean, I think the thing that people are misunderstanding is like, you get a guy like Durant who comes back from an injury, who also basically had the whole season to rehab. He had two, he basically had two years off if we're being honest. And then you're like, Oh, okay, well he did it. So somebody else can do it. It's, that's just not the case. And I I think the secondary thing is, is, Offensive games don't seem to be as impacted by uh, Achilles and ACL tears as defensive games. And what may what separated Clay Thompson for me beyond the fact that he was an incredible shooter is he was an incredible defensive player. Smart and just – and that sort of two-way game just doesn't – I can't – there aren't many players like that, that that play like him. And so if he's half the player he was defensively, they're not going to be near as good because they're very top-heavy.
2: Yeah, so I will say that the the ACL tear worries me a little bit more for for Clay than the Achilles, just because mm-hmm. of you know what I've seen statistically from shooters coming back from ACL tears. Actually, the numbers are not great, and then when you consider the movement shooting that he does, where so much of that is coming off screens, you know, I worry about that kind of stuff with him offensively and a, and a drop off. But you're right, the defensive end is going to be big. Luckily, you know they got Wiggins, they've got Draymond, and you know, they've got Juan Toscano Anderson, who's a pretty good defender, but you need Klay Thompson to be, I don't know, he can't, you don't need him to be all NBA at mm-hmm. the three because that's what he's going to be doing. He's not going to be chasing around point guards anymore. Right. But you need him to be well above average at mm-hmm. best or at worst. And so uh, I do expect to see him guarding more guys that we would consider fours, maybe even some fives, just because Clay Thompson's not a small guy. And I wonder if that might be a way to not only, you know, get him rest as he's rounding himself into basketball shape, but also maybe mitigate some of the, if there is a decrease in in agility or speed or whatever, maybe you can mitigate that by having him play up a little bit and, and, you know, might mean a little bit more work for guys like Wiggins, but if it gets a smart defender in a more favorable position, and I think you give it a shot.
1: Well, and because I invited you on a Mavericks podcast, we probably should talk a little bit of Mavericks, (laughs) even though I just kind of like talking about basketball with you in general. So I've covered this team now for nine years, and this will be the third straight season where they roll back a significant chunk of the same roster. With that in mind as I'm spooling up coverage and thinking about things with this team, as much as I get excited about Maverick Basketball as a concept, when you get down to the nitty-gritty, there is not there's not a lot that's interesting about this team, or am I missing something?
2: You're missing the big thing. Okay. Porzingis. Porzingis, I was going to have another pitch, but let's let's go with the Porzingis. No, Porzingis is the big thing because I can make an argument. This would be the first time that we're really seeing Porzingis since February of twenty twenty. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean so, he was pretty good in the bubble until he hurt himself. He but, was okay. Well, that's what I mean, right? Like so yeah. I'm taking I'm throwing the bubble out just because he did hurt himself. And I don't even think we we really didn't get to see him that much in the bubble. Yeah. So seven games or something. Yeah. But February of twenty twenty, right up to the shutdown, I mean, that guy was playing the best basketball of his career, I think. Mm-hmm. He looked like a, a real top 25 player in the NBA. He was like, shooting
1: something like 75% on post-ups, which before yeah. that he had been shooting like 30.
2: Um, but he, he was healthy and he was yeah. playing excellent defense. He was doing all this stuff that, that, you know, it made that trade. It it really did make that trade look amazing for the Mavericks. Yeah. And then he get hurt. He got hurt again. Yeah. And then, again. He, you know, and then we've got a pandemic and he, he gets screwed on his surgery date and misses another training camp. And all of a sudden he's starting from behind. And then he's dealing with injuries all season in a compressed season. Listen, man, I like, and I hammered Porzingis.
1: Me too. Because if you're (laughs) playing,
2: listen, you're playing. I got to I got to call it how I see it. But I also can say you can point to the injury and and you can see the, the downward trend. This is not, that guy was not healthy. He didn't move like a guy who was healthy. And now he's going to have a good chunk of time off. He's going to get a full camp. I think Porzingis, look, this Porzingis might be their big free agent acquisition. If he can come back in shape, ready to go and stay healthy, that's massive for them. Now, you got to counteract the, the absolutely horrific downgrading coaching. But I will say that Porzingis should be looked at as a you should be optimistic there, man, because he is a better player than he was last season. I've talked to myself into
1: being cautiously optimistic. I just – there's something there with him where I think that he gets a little bit of a bad rap because the dude wants to play. I think that is – for like the local sports talk radio or people who are in kind of incendiary and don't really know basketball that well, that guy has to be kept off the court because he so desperately wants to prove that he can play. I just don't think his body is ever really going to be capable of giving more than 55 games a season. You can plan around that, though, as a team. You just kind of go from the get-go and know that this is what you're going to get. And last year, he was never able to get into a rhythm. The game log is really is disconcerting because you could see where he would want to come back and play some games. He'd play three games. He'd look terrible. They'd sit him for a game or two, and then he'd come back and rinse and repeat. He just never really looked good. He was not confident in his movement. And that's where it's like, I'm curious to see what happens because despite the fact that he's
2: really a mediocre shooter, teams freak out when he shoots Well, he long. shoots. Yeah. When he shoots, right? So like, this is the thing. It's like being a mediocre shooter who actually shoots is more valuable than uh, a guy who shoots three times a game, but is a 40% mm-hmm. shooter. Like Jalen Brunson, I talked about this last year. I was like, my big thing for him was, got to shoot more because you can shoot so mm-hmm. take more shots you shoot more all of a sudden there's more space for everybody else Porzingis will shoot and by the way it's a little bit streaky but you don't want to give them one or two open ones nope I think so,
1: if uh the Mavericks wanted this is this is a non there's not a lot of correlation here but I just like the stat the Mavericks won more than 70 percent of their games when he hit a first quarter three because it does things to a defense where he hits that early one and everybody gets it three inches closer. And that's all the space you need, even with the Josh Richardson who can't hit anything. So you pair that with the Reggie Bullock, and these guys could be back to a historic offensive pace. I just think that, mm-hmm. that the defense is where things get a little bit interesting for him because he was a turnstile. Like, teams shot like 65% on He couldn't him. move,
2: and, man. Yeah. He couldn't yeah. move. I mean, he could not turn his shoulders, it mm-hmm. looked like. He, right, like his got, hips would not rotate. There was a, and
1: granted, this is not a great fair thing because Damian Lillard is an all-world player. But there was a Thanksgiving, not Thanksgiving, uh, Valentine's Day game where the Blazers just cooked Dallas. And in the fourth quarter, you know it would be a pick and roll, and he'd get by Dorian Finney-Smith, and Porzingis would play the the drop like he could, like he could block his shot if he would chase uh, Dame down from behind. Dame's six foot tall. And you kind of get where he's coming from. You know, I'm 18 inches taller than this guy. I can stick my big hand out and swat it. And just got beat to the basket by Damian Lillard time and time again. And that was when it was like, okay, we've seen two months of this. This man is not capable. I was when I was like, they have to trade him. They have to do something. I'm just going to be, it's like, it's so frustrating because when the Mavericks play with Porzingis and Luca, they win. It's like 60% of their games. Just those two being on the court. They're a winning ball club. It's just they they've not been able outside of the first 20 games of the 1920 season, they've not they've just not been able to hit any consistent streaks. It's it's there's a lot
2: going there. Um you say we how many post-ups do you think he's gonna take a game with Jason Kidd? I mean, you that was that I wanted to pivot. I wanted to
1: pivot to Jason Kidd because Jason Kidd is such to me, he is the X factor because If he is the the coach that the LA Lakers seem to love, I have some optimism. If he is the coach that we have heard about through our peers and within relationships in the league, the Mavericks should be terrified because as bad as you might think it is, guys, I can assure you he was worse. He was a terrible coach. Outside of one year with Milwaukee, where he had a good defense that the league figured out within a season. Now, I just don't know what to do with that because right now he's saying all the platitudes. He's talking about how the Mavericks need to be a defensive team. They can't be a defensive team. They don't have defensive players. Like you, you can't. You know, this is not a making chicken salad out of chicken shit situation. Like the Mavericks are an offensive team. They're going to win by offense. So like what do you, or. or where are you with kid? Because I,
2: I waffle. I just, I don't my know expectations how are. It. My expectations are the bottom. I, <laughs> like, like I, he's not a good coach, man. I, I don't understand how this guy is getting a third shot at a head job. When there's so many people that like, all we hear all the time right now is all of these assistants that have been grinding and grinding yep. and grinding, but they're not famous. And they're not buddies with the owner, I guess. So um, they don't get those chances, man. But like, I don't know, man. I I, I think they're going to be in the play-in potentially. Okay. Well, and I just have no trust in it. Uh, listen, I mean, like, a, how many threes a game do you think they're going to shoot? I bet they're in I'm, the bottom eight.
1: If that's the case, then I I think Luca like.
2: It would drive me crazy. A, but there's clearly I, I
1: a kid Luca relationship because that doesn't happen without Luca's sign off. I just I, I I I don't see how unless Luca is just completely clueless, which I, he he isn't. But I I. I I don't see I mean I with some of the the things that have kid can't have a very long leash that's the other thing like like some of our friends have said oh well Cuban's not gonna want to pay that contract he's gonna stay as a coach and I just don't see Luca putting up with it like Luca didn't put up with some of Carlisle like I think Carlisle's big mistake was actually ceding ground to Luca where he let Luca have authority because he's like, okay, this is the guy, but Carlisle is a domineering man. And by Carlisle kind of cucked himself where he didn't want to argue with Luca. And, you know, there's gotta be some sort of mid ground because Luca's obviously a generational talent, but he still doesn't know everything. And, and I'm just, I'm really curious to see how that relationship works out. But on top of that, what I'm also interested in is I think, and, and, you're going to need to tell me how important this is. I like the assistant coaching staff. I like the collection of guys. Does that just not matter?
2: I I don't know how much it matters to be honest with you. Like I, it, coaching t- typically is top down. Okay. Okay. I mean, it really is. And, and I don't mean necessarily that Jason Kidd's going to do all the work. Cause I, I don't think he's dictatorial. Right. But, but, everyone is going to follow his lead. There is no, I mean, it, like that is just how it works. He's the coach. And if you want to stay employed, you follow the coach.
1: I just, it feels like they have just a kind of diverse viewpoint. So like when Igor, um, how do you say well, last Igor Kokoschkov? All right. Igor Kokoshkov is a good
2: coach. Yeah. but well, we That's saw, how why, it why out that he's coach, working with right? kid. <laughs> well, but uh, th- so now that, might be a little bit of a nod to Luca, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you talked about a potential relationship between kid and Luca, but maybe the idea is, well, we're going to bring in, why don't you try our guy? And by the way, there's no reporting on this. I I have sure, n- no, we're not, just talking. Yeah. I also, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't really care about reporting. Nobody who that. listens uh, to this podcast I'll read Tim Cato. <laughs> I'll read Tim Cato. If he, if he digs into this, but um you know maybe the 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 idea was well hey we'll bring your guy on you try our guy out and maybe if it doesn't work out your guy might get the nod or something but you know don't aggregate me on that because again sure. i'm just just kind of running through it here but well, maybe that's part of it right like maybe there is a little bit of a nod to luka there by bringing in kokoshkov and we know kokoshkov i mean he he's well known as a good assistant in utah mm-hmm. so We've seen what he's done overseas. I mean, I, I think that anytime you have good coaches on staff, it is a good thing to have, right? And, and I'm not so I don't want to.
1: That's totally, what I mean. Like
2: I, I, I don't want to douse your campfire by saying it doesn't matter because having a good staff does matter. But at a certain point, it, like it can only matter so much. It's only going to carry you so far. Which brings
1: us to the the person who will carry the Mavs as far as they're willing to go, and Luka Doncic, because. My my thing for this offseason, particularly with the possibility that Goran Dragic joins the team eventually, is I think Luka is kind of at the uh, on the edge of a knife in his career to where he's either going to make a leap soon or he's going to be, to me, being like the legitimate best player in the NBA, or he's going to stay in that five to seven range for a while until he gets his ass kicked and then figures it out because he has been able to show up to three straight NBA seasons not in great shape not having all of his skills in play hold on and wait
2: not even not in great shape out of shape out of shape no yeah, i mean
1: he wore a t-shirt guys we need to t-shirt luca is is something that needs to be back in the memory because he showed up to rookie year looking tubbo and he in sense he's been all he's been rookie of the year and been all NBA twice so I, I, he's at this point to where he's been able to, even though he still works on his game, because obviously he his mid-range... If you haven't seen these numbers, Dave, I recommend you go look at his mid-range jump. It's one of the l- funnier things because I don't think people understand how many long twos he was taking. He just showed up and was better at long twos, which for those who are not inclined, who don't get into the like the stats that much, in the current NBA, no one does that. No one just shows up better at 18-footers because that's not a shot that teams take anymore. Um, but he was so out of shape that he couldn't get past people, and so he needed to find a way for it. And so long story, like my my thought process is I'm looking forward to at least some new voices in the room with Luca because I think he had tuned everyone in that franchise out by the end of last year, and to a certain extent, I understand why you know dudley kid uh if uh, uh, Igor if uh, Goron is able to be there, there was a, a a point in the one of the Miami heat games where Luca was pitching a fit on the free throw line, and Goron whispered something in his ear, and he shut the fuck up. From a, a, another teammate, like or uh, uh, from an opposing player.
2: Another team, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I'm just like, so that, that moment has been like really ingrained in my head because I think, you know, no one wants like the Mavericks, like, oh, we don't want to pay this. That's worth $20 million to me. Yeah, pay it. Yeah, pay it. Pay
2: it.
0: Pay it. It's Getting so him dumb. to be a
2: pro is yeah. priceless. Right. Because you're going to benefit from it. Like Dirk didn't show up as the Dirk that we think of winning a title. LeBron LeBron didn't show up as LeBron that went to nine, was it nine straight finals? He didn't show up as that guy. Like you have to learn this stuff. And so anytime you can jump start that process or find a cheat code, you know. I mean, it is mm-hmm. Goron maybe the Konami code for unlocking the next level of Luca. I don't know. I'd love to see what it looked like if he if Luca was actually like serious about his body.
1: Which maybe, you know, maybe it's he that he, might be the talking? next thing. Yeah. He It it took James Harden like three years to figure that out. And then Mm -hmm. when he was, he became like, I don't think fans understand this. Up until he hurt his hamstring last year, he was the most durable player in the league. Like he was better than LeBron. He was just, he was a tank. And I just, I'm looking forward. I'm cautiously optimistic that new voices may help him in a way that we're not talking about. Because Jason Kidd might not be a great coach. But Luca is the, is the straw that stirs the drink. And if he is going to be a little bit more efficient, only get eight texts instead of 15. If he, if he can show up, not hungover and play the Grizzlies where he didn't have the meat sweats three fewer times in a season, they might go from being a six seed to chasing a top four. Like there's, I, I see a path and and granted it's just because it's preseason and I haven't watched Jalen Brunson, you know, look off Porzingis three times in a row yet. Um, I'm very, I'm just, I'm kind of in an optimistic place because they were, it just makes me wonder, they've only played the Clippers in the playoffs. Like, you go look at Luca's averages playing against the best defender in the world, and, and right. it's, it's, not it's bad. like, okay, well, what if he got to play the Nuggets and he carved them into pieces? Like, that's just right. – am I silly for that, or
2: is there no, something to this? No, listen, man. Styles make fights, and the matchups do matter. And the Clippers are really, really good. I, <laughs> someone asked us a question that we didn't get to uh, yesterday, and it was like, wow, with, with how the Clippers have handled the Mavericks two years in a row – why are people picking the Mavericks or the Clippers over over the Mavericks, even though the Mavericks looked so good against the Clippers and the Clippers won't have Kawhi Leonard? I was like, yeah, but they still have Paul George and they still like unbelievable. Right. And they still have a really good team around them. Uh, You know, they, they didn't really lose all that much. And the way that they play is so different Mm -hmm. than the Mavericks. I think the Mavericks, like it's just a, it's a harder style to play and they don't have the higher end talent outside of Luca and, and Porzingis, but the the Clippers in particular are both a good and bad matchup for the Mavericks, right? Like it, they they are susceptible to the things that Luca can do well, but they also are fucking awesome at hitting a lot of threes, and and yeah. the Mavericks suck at stopping that, so yeah, they can't match it.
1: I don't know. I, I see a path both ways. And I think that uh, the things that are working in the Mavericks favor are pretty friendly schedule, at least right now. Um, they have the few they have, they're one of the groups that has the fewest back to backs, which will matter. They have Luca. They have a healthy, uh, in theory, a healthy Porzingis. They added a player which will like I think I think Reggie I think um, Bullock being able to add to their depth helps in ways that are going to take a while to see during the season, but sure. you know, they, they had like Maxi Kleba guarding wings. If they can get him not guarding wings and right. just playing rimmed like that sort of, there's like a cascade effect to where the Mavericks have had a few too many guys that aren't great playing higher in the rotation than they ought to. If you can get Dorian Finney Smith's minutes from 33 to 27. Exactly. That matters. Yeah. And that's what I, I say I all the, the time. about
2: I say that all the time. It's like, Dorian Finney Smith and and Maxi are both kind of slotted like one spot too high in the rotation, yeah. and and Bullock might be able to supplant them, passably. Yeah. He at least is going to give you a guy who can defend and will shoot right, mm-hmm. and so you can say, well, do we want to go uh, high energy, Dorian Finney Smith, who eh, about the same level of defender, honestly, uh, as sure. Reggie Bullock, and not as good of a shooter um but more more active more energy might be able to hit the glass a little bit for us in a way that reggie bullock can't you like you're gonna have more options on the wing and so that's important but in particular you you know the ability to go small think about it like they can go small with maxi or uh porzingis in the middle and have bullock uh hardaway dorian finney smith and luca and like Go five out with smaller guys. Like they can do a lot more now they couldn't do before. Um, but that being said, uh, I mean it's not like the biggest move in the world.
1: No, they're going to be. Move. They're one of these. They're you know there's smart players will talk about 16 game players versus 82 yep. game players. The Mavericks at the moment are an 82 game team. They're not a playoff team. They're they have right. not patched a single hole other than maybe having better shooting. Fans, I've heard a lot of fans talking about, "Oh, well if they would have, you know, if they would have had Reggie Jackson on this team, they would have won all against they would have swept the Clippers." Like, guys, sorry, Tim Hardaway Jr. shot 70% for two games. That is why right. they won. They didn't win because it's not that they were bad, but they got they 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 didn't capitalize on their outlier performances, and they need to be able to win these 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 games in the margins, and they just haven't fixed those things yet. Now, maybe maybe Brunson, maybe they'll have they'll they'll, they'll take steps to get to where they want to go, but I, at the moment, I think this team is capable of being a much better
2: performing regular season team. They just have to take the regular season seriously. It's what Utah does so well. Okay. So Utah has a baseline that it sets, mm-hmm. but it wins every single time it outperforms expectations shooting-wise, it wins those games because of the defense, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got, here's our base-level defense, and we're going to win all of these games where we hit, you know, 20 threes or more. We're gonna, and, and Utah shoots a ton of threes. So they know, hey, we're banking, I don't know, 12 wins or whatever because we're going to win all those. Dallas doesn't have that. They nope. they do not have the ability they, – they cannot go through the schedule and expect to win any single game. Right. None. I mean, they, it was so funny because they won like 66% of their games after
1: a certain point in the season. I want to say it was like right after All-Star break. But then they still lost to the Kings three times where it's like <laughs> – So – well, Dave, this has been exactly what I had hoped for. Uh, we didn't have anything planned. I just wanted to talk to my friend, who I've known for a while, but have never asked on my podcast. Um, and now is the perfect. This is actually time. the first time we've ever podcasted
2: together, which seems insane.
1: Yeah, no, we've been we've been drunk in Vegas and yelling about yes. basketball in a house, but never it's never there's never been a mic on.
2: Um, well, and, you and I were at the next to the pool when all the basketball yelling was happening.
1: Let's let's oh be my honest. God, here. full disclosure. We were, well, there's like 60 people in a house in La- in Las Vegas whenever Kawhi opted to sign with the Clippers <laughs> and then with, and then Paul George did the same thing. And we were with a bunch of Lakers fans and it was just, it was the just night like of the earthquake. earthquake. Oh yeah. That's a wild night. But yeah. So, all right. Um, You know, I, like I mentioned before in the pre-show, I will not bother you during the season, but you should follow uh you should go subscribe to the athletic podcast cuz their feed over That's there right. does a they do a lot of varied content um which is nice every show every day is a little bit different basketball buds um basketball buds is the kind of show to where it will really piss you off at times but then you will also laugh your ass off depending on which fan base you're from
2: it's a show that it can be as fun as you will allow it to be <laughs> if you're willing to just say these guys are assholes but they're just clearly have, trying to have a good time or whatever. It's, a, it's, it's gonna the conversations be you have with your friend. If you have right. smart basketball friends, that's what the conversation is. And it's Oh, reported. I wouldn't even go that far. Let's not say it's smart conversation all the time because sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just – sometimes it's Jay King making a really good point about Utah kind of being like the Atlanta Hawks in 2015 and us just deciding we're going to make fun of Jay King. And say no. Every team is not the Atlanta Hawks <laughs> for no good reason. But you know, good point, Jay. But we're just going to make funny. It is I. I because I, I think a lot of people can take that show the wrong way. If you just if you just go along for the ride, it's so much fun, man. It's just yeah. it's some dudes hanging out.
1: Well, that's my pitch. Everyone should also you know go pay for an athletic subscription because it's, yeah, it's, it's good, good stuff. stuff
2: all the way around. Um, go, th- go click on else- a Tim Cato article and. And
1: subscribe to the athletic. Oh, yeah. The 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 t- Tim. We love Tim. Is there anything else you want to pitch
2: before you get out of here? No, I never plug anything. I'm really, really awful at it. Just everything that I do is at the athletic. Mm-hmm. Go there. Uh yeah. Subscribe, rate, and review this. Subscribe to unsubscribe, resubscribe <laughs> to this podcast. Uh leave a five-star review, or don't leave one at all. Don't be a dick. That's right. To this podcast, not mine. Yep, the Mavs Moneyball feed. So, guys,
1: with that, I will leave you. Josh and I will be recording regularly at some point. Please go and download Green Room and look to follow me, uh, Kirk Henderson35. I do shows on there that are live. It's a lot of fun. Great community interaction. We've really, you know, Mavs Moneyball has become a uh, community of weirdos that I love talking to. Um,. Yeah, we'll be you know kicking off preseason coverage relatively soon. There's been a we uh, our guy Xavier Santos has done a uh, tiers series for the NBA where he tiers the the teams based off of what he thinks. Uh, we're gonna have we're gonna be starting some daily fantasy coverage and gambling stuff overall. Uh, you know we have a lot of stuff except, uh, for this season. I'm really looking forward to it. Dave, this has been great. Uh, this has been Kirk Henderson and Dave Dufort, and we will talk to you a little later.